All right, I think we're back, uh, wrapping up the last session here. So we're talking about the state of cybersecurity, the general sort of state, how we see it. And I'd, I'd like to kind of start out with getting everybody's perspective, especially based on a couple of days' worth. Like, what what's possibly changed in your thinking about the way that we should be looking at cybersecurity writ large right now, 2021, today? Go ahead. All right, I guess uh, from my standpoint, you know, I, I see how everybody's very interested in making improvements. I see everybody wants to make change happen. And from my standpoint, I'm just thinking to myself, how are we going to go back to our offices to see our teams and make this culture change? Because like Danny said earlier, um, you know, there's folks out there that don't even want to implement this stuff in their own houses. Like, how are we going to get that, that culture to change? So that's, that's what I was thinking. That's, that's my big change in, in where I'm headed. Interesting. I, I'd say I hope that's the change. Um, one of the problems that the MSP community at large has faced for a long time, I think, is a reluctance to take some of the tools and these things and turn them inward, actually starting with their own house first. You know, that's something every time I see Danny present, it occur, it strikes me how easy it would be to, using some of the people in this room, create, you know, massive chaos on a scale that we haven't seen yet. And so I think that the MSP community and the MSSP community as a whole has to turn that lens inside has to look back at themselves and say, you know, it's going to have to begin in my house first. And that's not the historical way this thing has worked. So eat your own dog food, drink your own whiskey in Texas, you know, eat your own barbecue, that type of thing, right? Yeah, 100%. I think that's a real problem that, that's existed. I think from, as a, coming at this from the vendor side of things, um, my, uh, one of the things that we're trying to do is evangelize those changes to everybody and real and try to get them to realize that how important that is. Um, you know, some of the things that we hear all the time, I'm too busy. I, mean, I guess so much work. Like, I'm, my guys are just balls to the wall. I think I heard that six or seven times this morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm just too busy. Like, look, it's like the old adage, right? It takes money to make money, takes time to make time, right? If you got time to do it, you know, wrong once, you can do it right, you know what I mean? So that's, that's from us to just try to evangelize that you guys got to, you know, those are some key things you got to implement, and it's going to take you a little bit of time to do it. But once you get there, the dividends and the rewards will pay off, you know, tenfold. So I think, you know, I want to take from what Tim said yesterday when, when he talked about 52 micro projects and whether it's 52 or 12 or, or, or one, one every three weeks, it, like pick a project, implement it, improve, and then move on. We're coming up with this kind of concept of this health score inside our own environment, not generally, where we can show clients, look, you've done a great job, but you're still at 24% of where you should be. And don't try and do everything today because, you know, I like to do DIY and, and you know, I'm building this garage and extension onto my house at the moment. I don't go out saying I've got to build the garage. I say I've got to build this piece of the wall. And that's kind of how you have to approach it. You have to say, I'm going to take on this one challenge for this one hour and this is how it's going to improve me and, and do reward and just keep moving there. And even when you take on products, deploy them, figure out which parts you can use to get the most benefit now, then don't forget about them. Make the vendors come on calls with you every month to show what can I do more, how can I improve more and how can I move to the next step and, and increase my score and whether it's a real score or just how do I feel about it. 
big change in behavior. Some of us uh, OCD folks like want to work on something from start to finish, so it's a real change in behavior to try yeah. to. I'm just going to focus on this for this point in time, and then when it's done, wherever I've gotten, that's good enough for now. We'll get back to it. So if that's if that's the case, and that seems to be kind of the accepted approach, what would you typically say, especially based on the last couple of days of conversation, would be the first thing that you would talk to somebody a customer, a client about, like, let's do this first. I know for me, I always tell people, solve for the user problem first, right? And points and users and take care of that. I, I run into workshops all the time where people are talking about encryption and things that are way, way past where we are. I think you solve for users and taking care of them right off the bat. Everything else comes later because no firewall, to my knowledge, has ever just woke up by itself and decided to infect the network. It's been a person somewhere that's caused some infection. So. Um, with, I, I'd like to kind of get your gauge on what you think you would say, this is what we're going to do first, right? Let's start here. What do you think? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I would basically go with the, the user side, just like you said. The, the issue that I think that we struggle with as a community is we're so interested in telling users what the heck we want them to do that, and we think that works because maybe, I don't know, worked on our children or something? I have no idea. No, it doesn't work with kids either. Okay, so I don't know where we got that idea from. Yeah. Basically, we got to stop telling people what we want them to do and show them what happens when they don't do the things that we know keep them safe. So start out by just showing them how, how bad it can be. Like, like Danny showed us <laughs> what an attacker can get to just by getting access to your clipboard, right? So show them how bad it can be. Show, like, do something like that with one of your, your users or one of your um, clients and, and show them what they're going to get access to rather than telling them, hey, so don't show do it, don't just tell them, right? Yeah. Actually provide them some sort of gravity that, like, this is real. Because everyone's kind of sick of the chicken little thing, right? I have that thing on my slide of the Muppet going, we're all going to die. Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of bad cyber stuff has happened. We're all still here. So it's really not necessarily the sky is falling. However, comma, if you don't do something, you know, you're, that's negligent and you are going to suffer for it. Yeah. Here, look, here's all of, all of the passwords that are in your system right now. We just had somebody come into a pen test and they were able to get to all this stuff. Should we fix it? Yeah. It's like when and the doctor then, tells you, like, look, I, I think you should get fit or change your diet. And you're like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then he brings you your numbers and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm fat and sick. I need to fix right. this. <laughs> or maybe you have that like event, like maybe you're out on the a full-on heart attack, that type like, of thing. Oh yeah. man! And then you, right then you're like, okay, I'm interested. Yeah, in I should probably eat some veggies before I die. That type of thing. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, so coming at it from the perspective that we do, you know, being on the compliance side of the fence, the natural reaction is for me to say, you know, starts with the risk assessment. I think it's it's, it's really higher level than that. It starts with education. Um, in, in 2020, it's not like, you know, everybody in the small business community put up their wallets and ran home. But if you are on the service provider side and you were out there trying to grow new revenue, there was a sudden like, you know, let's save, let's hold my, we, we, there was a, I guess you would say the community didn't know what to do as as a whole, and so people weren't making the right decisions. What we learned is instead of the, the ones that were going out, let's say an MSP goes out and tries to scare the hell out of you and threaten you with you know the bad actors in China, it, it makes them uncomfortable. People don't want to purchase like that. But when you start talking about real-world examples of what's happening, a weighted score, a quiz, something that can you can sit down with them, especially in QBRs or sales process, and say, look, first of all, find a, a similitude between you and them. Hey, look, I'm just like you. 
we have the same risks, you know, whether it's medical or manufacturing, whatever. We, we work in this space and carry that with us. Do you know that what you and I face looks like this? What are you doing about it? And I think the big thing is instead of saying you're not compliant, you're not secure, you're going to get hacked, ask them, how confident are you in your security posture today? Or tell me about your compliance and security program as it sits right now. Just give me a high-level overview. Wait, People can't do wait that. Minute. Have you ever asked like one of your clients, like, hey, how, how confident are you in your security? Or even a prospect. Has anybody done this? And they're like, oh, I'm really confident. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm contacting you because my service is bad. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's right. The, the question becomes, so tell me about what you're doing. It's not a yes or no question. It's a, okay, so expand. Tell, tell, explain this to me. How do, you, how do you feel about that? Because you can't do it. It's just like saying, are you compliant? Yes. Okay, wonderful. Tell me about your program. Uh, I got an IT guy. Right? I it's got Dave. A, I got AV. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? I got a firewall. I got a firewall. Guy came and put right, the firewall. We have, we have Dave. He's lived here for 37 years. He's yeah. in the closet somewhere. Yeah, yeah. he's here. <laughs> right. He's all pasty and knows where the bodies are buried. Yeah. That's right. Wears a hoodie every yeah. day yeah, no matter yeah. what the weather is. Yeah, just follow right the monster cans on the floor. There. You'll find Dave. Right there. Right? He's doing it right there. So, yeah, you know, I think it's a combination of both you guys said, right? It's the user aspect of things, right? The fact that like you said, a firewall doesn't wake up and, and do its thing on its own, right? If you can have the best firewall and the best AV and the, and the best anti-spam and the best filtering and blah, 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 blah. If I get access to your network and I have your creds, I'll do whatever the hell I want. Right? right? So, and, and we already know we're overprivileged. We're, we're over-provisioned. And, you know, those are some of the things that we've got to focus on. The other part is education, teaching them. A lot of these people just don't know. Like you said, you have a security program. Yeah, I got a plan. My guy said I got a plan. What's your plan? I have no idea. The plan. Yeah, it's a plan. It's the, it's the plan. The plan is a plan, and we're going to execute this plan. But they don't even know. Like, your password aging is 180 days. You might as well have just said bananas because that's what it means to them. They don't know not only what the plan is and the education on what they should be doing, they don't understand the metrics that they need to be measuring themselves by or be measured by or what they even need to try to achieve. Do I need to change passwords more often? Yes. Okay, what does that look like? Do we need better complexity? I don't even know what complexity means. Tell me about this. So education, take care of the user problem, get that sorted out, get those two things together. Then we can start. That's the foundation. Then we start building on some of the more advanced practices. And like you said, talking about cryptography, like... Man, post, you, you, post-quantum. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you I mean, people even... asked me about post-quantum, and I was like, what? Yeah, like, dude, you realize that every person in your active directory is a, is a domain admin, yeah, right? right. Somebody just copied and pasted. Yeah, so right. it's just terrible. You have one of you. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. I, I think when you approach these things, you've got to approach them. That This is a moving target. In development world, you have things called buckets. And every time someone comes in, every time there's a new request, every time a new request is approved, it says, okay, we want to make a change. It goes into the bucket. And that, and someone's drinking from that bucket at the other end, moving through them, and it's getting lower. Now, what happens as things come into that bucket, they, they, they then get prioritized. And you've got to look at, look, I'm never going to get that bucket empty. It's never going to happen. It's going to keep filling up with potential problems or problems and things I need to do. And the customers need to understand this, that you know, every time we clear it out, someone dumps more shit in it. And we need to say, okay, we're going to work on the most pressing issues here. So I'm, I'm going to work on, well, 
where is my biggest risk? What's the biggest risk to my business? I'm going to take it out and then I'm going to work on the next thing. And maybe you get a really nice year and you get the bucket down to a quarter and then someone piles a load more in it. But it's kind of, uh, that's kind of, if you, if you take an approach like that and you explain that to the customer, look, this is a moving target. You are not isolated. It's not in the old days or my computer's fixed now. It's, you're connected to the entire world and every day there's a new problem. And we're going to keep working on those problems and we're going to keep addressing them in the order of the priority that they commit. And if you can explain that to your customers and you can keep that mindset, I'm just going to keep doing this, I'm going to keep taking the biggest priority, I'm going to assign, if my bucket starts overfalling, I need to assign more people to it. And I've got to hire more people, I've got to get more staff, and I need to charge my customers for that too because I'm going to eat that cost. But if it gets overloaded put more resources on it. And if it's at a reasonable level where you're controlling it, it's moving in the right direction, then that's a good thing. So if, if that's where we say, you know, that this is kind of a thing to solve, right, where to start, I think something that we don't do well in this industry is we don't tell people what not to do. Like, what's, what should you not engage in right off the bat? Because if, if you follow those organizations that try to get into a better space, they try, they do stuff, like you said, they go with the plan, and then things don't succeed, no execution happens, and they wind up going back and just making one step forward, six steps back. So if we say that we've got a pretty decent sort of concept around what we should do first, what would you say is the thing not to do? And I'm going to go in reverse order on this one. So, Danny, what would you say don't do this? I think, I think this encryption point comes up a lot, and, and there's the users, business owners, often think about what they hear on the media. And they don't understand real tangible risk versus not. And in security, you like to have this, you have big, wide, open gaps that can be shallow, high probability, low impact to the business. You have narrow holes, and if you've ever seen these diagrams, that are very, very deep, low probability, high risk to the business. Uh, and then you have things in the middle. You, you, you want to figure out what are the high probability, high risk for the business first, uh, and, then, and, and then start dealing with the things that are a low probability, high risk and then low risk to the business. They're the things that you need to address and don't, don't, don't chase this perfect environment because there is no such thing as a perfect environment. Uh, you know, always endeavor to do better, always improve, uh, always, and look, I can tell you, we have a lot of clients and we constantly chase our clients saying, do more, but at the very beginning, the first thing we don't say to our clients is ring fence every app. We just don't do that because they're going to have a meltdown if we say that. We say, let's start with the high-risk stuff. Let's stop any bad apps we don't want running because now we've gone from 144 billion possible combinations to 200, <laughs> and at least we've reduced that, and now let's ring-fence the high-risk apps. And then we start digging into them. Let's get a little bit better at this. Let's, let's ring-fence more because if don't go into the, oh, what if this is hacked and what if this is hacked because, because if you do that, you'll just give yourself a headache. Yeah, you got to stay away from all the buzzwords in the media. Like that's probably the the biggest problem. Is they hear they hear things like AI, they hear things like machine learning, they hear things like encryption and cryptography, and they're like, "How do I do that? I need to do that." And I think we've all reiterated many times we're still missing the foundational layer of stuff that we have to do. So you know, focus on the high probability, high risk stuff, then start to mush around in the middle, and then if we're at a point where we we get to the the super high risk, very low probability. Chances are, Rush is not coming after your dental practice, right? So focus on the things that, especially for the industries and the verticals that we cover, focus on the things that are important to them. 
right? And the things that are high risk and high probability for those folks right there. And then get the foundational layer done. Get that sorted and square. Stay away from all the buzzy words and all the articles in the media because that's just going to muddy the waters and they're not going to understand it anyways. And that comes back to better education. I'm going to go a slightly different direction just based on some experience that I've had in the past. I, I agree with, with, with what's being said, but I would also say one of the biggest problems I've seen in projects that get started, especially in cybersecurity and never get finished, is a lack of corporate buy-in because you came in and did deployment with a sledgehammer first. So, like, we all know multi-factor authentication is important, right? But we all also know it kind of sucks. Like, the fact that I have to use my cell phone to get into my laptop just absolutely drives me nuts sometimes. If you go in and you try to make the biggest splash in a client environment possible, and, and partially I think it's because maybe you see MFA or one of those is, you know, it's got to be done, but also because you just got their money and you want them to see what they're paying for, right? Well, I mean, high impact into the environment does not win trust. It takes the users out of their day-to-day -day operations, you create chaos, and now when you need to do things later, you don't have not only just buy-in, you don't have cooperation. They think that the IT team comes in here and screws all this shit up, and they're now you're going to make a problem for them. If you can go in and win behind the scenes, we all know what the like major critical things are that need to be addressed, and a lot of these are not going to affect the users on a daily basis. Take that risk level down first. Show that you can come in and run this ship without you know sending it straight into the rocks, and give it a little bit of time. I found that our projects as an MSP were more successful. When I came back to you later, I know MFA needs to be everywhere. It's a CMC requirement. It's a NIST requirement. But if I did that to the entire engineering team the first week, they're never answering my phone calls again. It's just a fact. Hmm. All right. So uh, you know what I would do? Um, I know that some of you out there probably learned about a new tool today, or you probably learned about a new antivirus, or you're going to go to a conference now that you know conferences are coming back. You're going to go to a conference, and they're going to tell you about some new antivirus that you need to have, or some new firewall that you need to get. And my thing, my suggestion, the last thing that I would be looking at right now is changing out any of my tools. And what I mean by that is um, antiviruses, they're like cell phone carriers. You know, they're, they all kind of do the same thing, but they don't all, I mean, they're never all going to be connected everywhere you go. Like, they just, they don't, they don't, they're not great. They work, like, AT&T works and Verizon works, but switching from Verizon to AT&T is not going to really improve your life that much. And so I would say stay away from those switches where you're switching from one solution to another right now and really focus on getting some of these different controls rolled out that are going to make it so that you don't have this risk that you're dealing with. So that's, that's where I would head. Yeah, I think, I think what I see most often from organizations is where they lack is they lack a single point of success. We talk about single points of failure all the time. When I engage with an organization, I say, who is running this? Right? And it's not enough to say the CISO is. I want to say, who is doing this thing and who is going to be with me as we continue to drive towards success? Because if there's no one leading the charge, then eventually everyone splitters off into their own thing and nothing gets done. So I think it's, it's critical as you engage in those projects to stand up and say, put your name on a piece of paper, somebody's running this thing, and it's not enough to say a C-level person is in charge. Like, fine, whatever, I get it, but somebody's going to drag us kicking and screaming to success. I want to know who they are. So last, last piece here uh, I want to get into is we've talked a lot about zero trust, right? We've, we've beat that term to death. I think people probably are going to go home and in their nightmares they're going to chant ZT. So well done, Danny. Uh, but 
do you, do you believe that zero trust is actually a, an achievable concept based on the technology that's available in the market today? And I understand that this is a process that takes a lot of time, but in your opinion, do you think that we can get to a zero trust state? I'm going to start. Go ahead. Oh, gosh. Good, good easy one. Like, yeah. right. The conference the is softball. called Zero Trust, but do you think it's possible? The softball. Bruce, why don't you answer that one first? Okay. So here's a situation that this is how I think about Zero Trust is Zero Trust is a moving target. Okay. All of the things that we're trying to do here when we talk about Zero Trust, this is like utopia. And we're all trying to get there. And so is it achievable? Yes, in little pieces. But is it achievable across the entire environment 100% all the time? I don't think so. And you're probably never going to be perfect, right? Like Danny was saying. Like you're going to get, you know, just like anything else in life, you're going to get better. You're going to get close to being really awesome. And then you have to continue to do more to keep getting better because it just is a moving sort of, like you said, it's a moving target. It doesn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the, you know, the spy movie, Trust No One. Like, yeah. I mean, and that's, I think that's a problem, too, is a lot of people will say, well, you're telling me not to trust my users. Like, I'm not telling you not to trust your users, but I'm just saying, statistically speaking, users are kind of a pro an area you shouldn't trust them to not cause a problem. Uh, it, it's, it's not that I don't trust people. You want to go out and have a beer? You want to go out and get fries or whatever else? Like, we're good. You know, elbow bump and da-da-da-da. But in my network, in my infrastructure protecting my business, I don't trust you. And I think that's, that's the point. Zero trust is... What do you trust them to do? Because you start off with a zero, and then you increase, you actually take, start taking away or adding trust or exceptions. Like, I, I, I trust my marketing specialist to put this event together and make sure everything worked. I didn't think about it. I didn't worry about it. But, and, I, and I trust my head sales engineer to deliver a perfect onboarding experience but I wouldn't trust him to put the event together necessarily. Like it, it, and that's the same at the computer level. It's the same at the network level. It, it, it's, what, what are you trusting this to do? What are you trusting this user to do and not do? Are you trusting them to make a good decision versus a bad decision? The answer is probably not. So you want to take those, put those controls in place to implement that. And you, you give privilege where it's required to do the function. And then it doesn't become an issue. It's not even, I mean, the trust word is very personal. It's very human. But it isn't personal. It isn't human. It's about least privileged controls. It's a much nicer word. <laughs> it's about taking away everything and then giving them what they need. And then, it's, then you know that they can't be compromised either as a human or through error or through a vulnerable application. Take as much away as you can and you can strive. And in some areas, it's very, very ach achievable to get to zero trust. In others, it's more difficult. I think technology has a lot to play in that too and how we achieve that sort of utopia that we're trying to get to. Um, with, I think we have to be careful at how we take that implementation and get there. Back to something that you said is if I come in the first week and I turn MFA on and everybody's got to use their phone to log into everything, they're going to be really pissed off. Yep. So to, to try to race to the end goal and get there imperfectly will cause more headache and strife and aggravation. Um, a poor implementation of trying to achieve that particular goal can be absolutely disastrous. And I think in some areas we need the technology to evolve along with us to get us where we want to be so it's not so cumbersome, it's not such a headache, it's not so aggravating. 
But ultimately, it's the world that we live in. I mean, we're not inside this pretty little box that we could control now, right? I had the puppet strings, and I could do everything I wanted, and everybody was under my command. And um, it's just not that way anymore. We got people sitting at Starbucks doing, you know, their entire job connected to VPNs to wherever. Like, it's just, it's absolutely crazy what we're able to do and where we're able to do it from. It's always going to be evolving because change management is something we really got to do a better job of. I think it's ironic. I think that zero trust requires quite a bit of trust, right? The problem is that that the small business community, or the entrepreneur, the guy that created this thing, you know, I'll pick on the manufacturing sector that I spent a lot of time in. Um, I had a manufacturing owner that wanted a spreadsheet of every single user in the environment's password. Every time they change it, they're supposed to email him the new password that they put in place. And this is in a DOD chain. Trying to convince that person not only to give that up because he felt he had so much control of his organization out of what is a nightmare for security, right? Trying to get him first to do that and then give away his own domain admin control, all those things, very difficult for him at first because he didn't trust us. And it's not just, he, he, look, he's paying us, he's ready for us to work in there. He didn't trust the technology. He didn't trust the people that work for us. He doesn't trust that, you know, that spreadsheet has worked for him up till now and he knows that thing works. When you start telling me that you're going to take away my privileges and that my admin can no longer do her job, what I'm hearing is that technology is taking over my business. A loss of control. A loss of control. What you've got to teach, really, I think, is that zero trust is ultimately a form of perfect control. If we can implement this correctly, if we can get this thing there, I can actually show you how you control everything in your organization. Oh, and by the way, my tech, me as an organization, we're fireable. This is not something that I'm going to go in here and turn on and nobody else can ever come behind me and you're stuck with me for life. I think those things, those misconceptions are a real barrier. So the tech is there, yes, but is the trust there from the small business community back to us as to IT providers to really hand that stuff over? My experience says that's a very difficult conversation sometimes. Yeah, totally. So Next, what do you think the next big thing is going to be in this space as far as the bad side of this equation, right? We had SolarWinds and Microsoft and a couple of other things already coming this year. In, in three minutes and 30 seconds, what is the next major thing that we're going to deal with? I'll say what I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a targeted social media campaign at scale using deep fake technology to basically look like somebody's doing something that they're not doing and cause a whole lot of hate and discontent in a very particular area. I think we've come very close to that over the course of the election. Um, I think it's going to happen again, and I think we're already seeing the commoditization of deep fake technology, which will vector into exploitation lifecycle. Ties into facial recognition and the ability to, to now manipulate, you know, what I see is no longer real, right? right? Truth on the internet is not truth. Sure, yeah. so, I, I think there's, there's, a, there's a problem in that we perceive SolarWinds as the big failure and Microsoft as a big failure, but these are just big printed failures. Right. That, and you talk about something like social media, that would probably never make news unless it happened to be responsible for breaching Home Depot. Like, so in terms of there is just millions and millions of attacks happening every single day of, of scale and the the intensity of them is getting worse the the cleverness of them that is getting worse and i think the use of social media we're seeing that as well people download things sending messages to people uh, hijacking, messages yeah, yeah. Hi, hijacking accounts and all these ways that we can now communicate as a world are just ways to get in 
And that's why the attacks are getting worse, because there's more and more ways. You know, I remember in 2000, they stopped sending executables by email. Microsoft stopped it being allowed in Exchange. You can still send executables by Teams. By, well, Zoom made it now, so you have to zip it in the last two months. But up until two months ago, Zoom, by GoToAssist, by all, or, or GoToMeeting, all of these chat platforms are a new way of data getting into your business, a new way of data getting... Or, threats getting into your business. So I think social media is definitely going to be part of that, that problem. But it, the problem's just getting worse. And of course, we're going to see another big breach next month and everyone's going to forget about SolarWinds and Microsoft. But. <laughs> I, think, I don't think it's going to be a, a big breach. I mean, we're going to hear more, more about big breaches. But I think, I think the next major thing that we're all going to be dealing with and it's going to suck is a major single sign-on outage, like a DDoS attack that takes down SAML or something like this, and we're just all sitting there with our pants down and can't get to anything. I think that's what's happening. That would be a bad day. I think an infrastructural attack is, to kind of back that up, that's that's the thing that keeps me awake at night, is something like, you know, a DDoS attack against SAML, that's a good call. Something that takes out an infrastructural piece, like, for example, a large piece of technology, I don't know, like all clouded RMMs, two or three major vendors all go down all at the same time. And when they come up, do you scrub it? Do you dump it? I mean, how do we get back in? The, the, the tools that we are using that touch everything give attackers a really big target. I I mean, there's something to, to be said for the idea that in a lot of cases, you know, when we would go into, say, a military site, they wouldn't let you use your ConnectWise. You have to go into their, like, lockdown bomb guard, right? Well, I mean, that ain't the rest of the world. There are all these remote utilities out there that, you know, solar winds being one of the most glaring, but that had enterprise stuff, and they recognize it, and they have red teams, and they see these threats. What happens when that is actually team viewer on the team viewer side, or when that is, you know, one of, like, say, God forbid, an RMM, not your RMM, the platform is scripted and written in. Mm. This is problematic. Well, yeah, I mean, have, have pretty much everything is hosted in AWS and Azure these days. It's 99% of the world, right? So a targeted infrastructure attack against something like that, that would bring one of those or a large portion of those particular hosting providers down would take out most of e-commerce on the internet. It would right. take out all our vendors. My other thing that kind of keeps me up at night too, and I, I don't think, because maybe we don't do a lot of it, um, is infrastructure as in our actual infrastructure. Power grids, water supply companies, we're all so interconnected and the guy sitting on Facebook watching a deep fake video on his internet connection at the plant that he's working at with yep. network connectivity to their infrastructure and the power grid for that section of the city. That's the kind of stuff that scares the hell out of me. Well, we all saw just what, a month or six weeks ago now, a, a city in Florida, yeah. somebody hacked into hacked into their water supply because they had... <laughs> hacked team, with Edmund, Edmund. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> hacked in using TeamViewer because they had TeamViewer running on the machine and they turned the hydrogen, hydrogen chloroxide levels up to 11,000 parts per million, which is basically poison on the public water supply. And they were able to do that through TeamViewer. Um, there was no malware involved. There was, no, there was nothing genius involved. They put a 10-digit code in and got on and were able to, I mean, they didn't because the guy saw him poisoning the water and, and shut yeah. it down. But if the guy had been taking a nappy and a donut and, <laughs> and, and not literally saw someone increase the levels, it was a bit scary that you can, the guy sitting at the desk can increase the levels. <laughs> I mean, Why and, is and there the, a knob for that? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. That seems like that's a safety control issue. Yeah. So, uh, but we, I, I think those infrastructure attacks are, but they're also going to be media attacks. And look, I said this yesterday, nobody cares if a local dental office, if a local car dealer loses their business. Nobody cares. Right. It doesn't get on CNN. It doesn't make CNN. 
And that's the reality of the world we live in. Everyone's being attacked, and the only people that anyone pays attention to, the only people the media pay attention to, which is good that you're not printing that you've been attacked, but you also don't know that it's happening to, oh, guess what? Five million small businesses like yours got hacked this year. That's, they don't know that. It's hard to explain it to them, too. Like, they don't, like, they don't see it, yeah. and I, they're not aware of it, and it hasn't happened to me, so I'm cool, right? I'm good. I don't need this. Yeah. This is overkill for me. I'm, I'm just this little guy over here, and that's, you know. What I've always done is good enough. Yeah. I haven't been reached thus far. Yeah, I'm good now, right? Yeah. Well, with that harsh dose of reality, uh, <laughs> like to wrap up, thank you guys very much for participating in the panel. Danny, thank, thank you. you very thank much you. for putting on this whole thing for the uh, Threat Locker team. Thank you guys for everything you've done and for the AV group. It's been awesome. So, uh, you know, really appreciate it. It was, it was super stuff. Okay. Thank you, Chase. And thank, thank you, everybody. Thanks, Thanks very much.